0: Hello, this is the Jeff Antonio Show, and today I have a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Raph Pilon. How you doing, Raph?
1: Hey, man, I'm great, and you?
0: Good, good, man. I, I so much uh, appreciate you being on the show. You know, I don't know if I said your name proper. Is it Pilon,
1: perhaps? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's French-Canadian, so technically it would be Pilon, yeah. but, you know, I, I made it easy for everybody. So uh, Raph Pylon works perfect.
0: I got it, man. Got it. Very yeah, cool. man. Yeah. So no, I appreciate you being on the show and um, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's always great. I love to talk to, you know, music artists, chop it up, see what inspires them and share that with the audience. Um and uh, Absolutely. if there's anything that they can learn from your, your artistry, um mm-hmm. and learn more about you in the process, I think it's just it's so good to share that with everybody so i appreciate that man
1: oh, for sure man no worries thanks for having me again like it's, yeah. it's always a lot of fun to talk about stuff and talk music you know that's the stuff i love anyway so music makes the world go round doesn't it oh yeah for sure
0: yeah yeah without music it's just like i'm pretty sure especially we- right
1: now man i would have i would have had so much trouble right now if i didn't have my studio at home and i kept just going you know <laughs> and do my stuff otherwise I would have been quarantined just like panicking like what am I doing man you would have been going of your mind right (laughs) right it would have been crazy so yeah I'm glad for music in that in that weird year that we're having for sure it's
0: I think one of the weirdest years I think I can recall I mean it's just uh, oh yeah crazy how how, how have you been handling uh COVID this year I mean the whole situation you know
1: well you know like as I told you like the, the good thing like for me, especially, it's just since I was working from home already, it didn't change my, like, my life so much personally. Obviously, like, having, you know, the distance with everybody and not being able to see my friends as much was kind of complicated and made it, like, hard a little bit because you're just, like, you know, you're far away from each other. Like, obviously, my family's around, so that, that was good, but, you know, you want to be able to go and have a drink with your buddies every now and then on a Thursday night, you know, and I, like, I was missing that obviously in Canada it was not too bad over the summer we had like a couple uh we caught a couple of green light situation you know for a couple of weeks where we could pretty much go anywhere we just had to be careful with like distancing and stuff like that but still we could hang out so uh, I made the most of that for a couple of weeks we were we were allowed to but we're back in the we're back in a red zone right now so we're we're being more careful you know
0: oh wow yeah I think we're back in the red zone here too and it's like man we're starting to see the light at the tunnel (laughs) i know man and then it's like then again it's 2020 so oh yeah it it definitely has been an interesting year would you say it's enabled you to focus more on your your art a little bit because you you're not able to go out like you normally would
1: Uh, i mean in a way it did yeah like we all i had to do pretty much was that right like i was home I was taking care of, like, myself and my family, and then the rest of it was just, like, I was up there in the studio just making my stuff, and, you know, that's why, like, a lot of the stuff I did while we started quarantine was just mixing all these projects that I started doing prior, which was, like, all these piano sessions that I released on YouTube with, like, a bunch of friends that I made at In The Voice, you know, so that was a lot of fun, and, like, it really kept me going for a good two months, and I had, like, a lot of content going out like that, and it was really cool to like get the reaction of everybody while the voice was on hold you know it actually finished just this week the finals ended <laughs> this week which is crazy it's the longest edition of the voice they ever had here <laughs> it was like eight wow. months because it probably
0: started like in what started <laughs> in winter
1: In the winter it started in started in february wow and uh, normally it would have been done by may but the the finals actually were broadcasted this weekend so <laughs> it's pretty nuts oh man that's crazy i know
0: had how, how that work out? They did. They pause it, or I
1: mean, what? They do? They did. Yeah. Like so. Basically, when when the quarantine started, we they were at the. That was the third round. So it was like w- what we call the knockouts here, the battles, and um, that was the that was the 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 one the one week that they had to do, and they literally couldn't do it because you know like they they stopped gatherings of more than I think fifty people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but a show like The Voice has like a hundred and fifty people only on the staff alone. (laughs) So it's like, well, all right, you can't really do it. So like they had to they had to keep people out and just be like, yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do it when we're gonna be able to do it. Right. Yeah and like even even like the past two weeks, it was hard, man, because like they couldn't have anybody in there. Like the first, the first weekend they had like families of people and that was okay. And then we got in the red in the red zone again, and then all of a sudden it was just like, yeah, well, you know, we can't bring people in, so we're gonna put screens and stuff, and they had to turn around like in the split second to kind of figure out like how are we gonna finish this because they couldn't they couldn't keep it any longer. Like there's other shows to start it already, you know. Wow,
0: I tell you, man, what a what a year! But at least I mean, it got to complete, and it, it, it you know it didn't get completely cut off.
1: No, no, for sure. Like you know, everybody. I think I think we all ended up being able to like you know keep some of the stuff like the stuff that we love and find ways to make it happen with like anyway you know with everything that's happening and that's kind of what I did over the summer you know like I, I kept going with those songs I wanted to release and like yeah we did have to change a couple of things like how we how we do the videos and, and you know how we work with people I started doing like some I, I'm just coming out of a, a zoom recording session like uh, well more like a mixing session actually but you know We had to do that through zoom and everything i just plugged myself on my speakers and he's playing he's got the playback on his side and we're just going back and forth like that which i never would have done before like i would have been out there with a drink next to the guy just chilling you know doing this whole thing but now it's just like yeah we got to switch it up a little bit
0: you know no choice wow you know it's amazing it's like how you could be put in a situation and become innovative like we're, we're forced to be innovative in this so I guess that's the pro in all of this, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you know how it, it's always kind of been like that historically. It's just like, you know, people evolve and change when they're, you know, their backs against the wall kind of thing a little bit. So I guess that's kind of how we all feel right now, you know, somehow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to a buddy the other day and he was saying exactly what you're saying is like, I think in the future, we're going to look at this time frame differently so right now it's kind of like wow you know bummer it's tough and it, and it is tough but i think in the future it could be like our our world war ii you know or, or whatever mm-hmm. right? it's just like a time of growth and a time of resilience and we'll look back and say you know what we did okay
1: we actually progressed through it yeah
0: yeah and, and we're tougher and we're and we're mm-hmm. resilient we have we have more creativity maybe
1: than we than we
0: knew you know perhaps
1: No, yeah. Well, you know, we we realize that we can figure out stuff. (laughs) You know,
0: (laughs) we could beat this weird stuff. I mean, anything's possible. I could tell you that. Mm -hmm. Um, For sure, man. Definitely weird. But let's get back to you and your music and take me back uh, to the beginning, um, your first musical memories. What, What was the first time when you were a kid? And I think we've all had that moment as music artists where you were listening to an artist or band and how old were you where were you and 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 tell me how it struck you and you were like man this is this is doing something to
1: me oh bro it's pretty crazy because uh I was super young actually so when I was two years old I was like my my parents used to put me in front of like movies from uh Disney, whether it was like Aladdin and stuff like that, right, to kind of get me to go to bed. And there's this one night and like, it's my dad who told me the story because obviously I can't like recall the exact, the exact thing that happened. I was so young, but like he, there was this thing in the nineties that came out that was called the Beatles Anthology, Uh which was like a documentary about everything and all that. And my dad really wanted to record that. And obviously the one way to record back then VHS right so he had to put the TV on record it straight up and since it was supposed to be my TV time for me to go to bed he had to kind of play with me and like you know keep my attention away from the TV while he was recording his thing and the very next day when he came to me and he was like so what you want to watch tonight Aladdin or The Lion King and I just went like whatever you were listening to yesterday I want to watch that and my dad was just like that's not for babies that's not for kids what are you talking about and he put that on and I went nuts for two years straight. All I did was play drums, listening to Ringo Starr. And that's how I learned my first instrument. And I picked up music like that. And it was a start from there.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, that's impressive. I mean, because the Beatles anthology was, as you know, just like such a crazy, what was it, three three disc set? I think it was three CDs. Something like that. And it it was intense. I mean, it was, you know, it was... A bunch of unreleased music and and different variations of takes and yeah so that music hits you so hard you were like forget Aladdin forget Disney let's what's this oh movie? yeah
1: that? oh yeah that was crazy like you know like all the, these actually unreleased songs that they had on that like Free as a Bird was one of the songs I knew by heart when I was three just like because I heard it in the, in, in the movie like in the movies and the documentary so much I was just like crazy about it and like I could I could play it on drums and stuff and I was like three years old like my dad has tapes of me playing the stuff and I'm just like wow I was like literally better at three years old than I am now <laughs> it's, it's stupid <laughs> it's crazy. Are, are your are your parents are they uh musicians or yeah my dad was a guitar player when he was younger he he made different uh you know career choices he became like a chemist and now he's like he's got his own enterprise going his, his own business and everything and he's he's been successful his own way but he's always been a huge music fan and he did it for a long time like you know you know those those universal expositions that they used to do like the expo they yeah. had one they had one in the 60s here in Montreal and my dad played it and he actually kicked Frank Zappa off the of stage <laughs> yeah so like my, my dad yeah my dad has a, my dad had a band like a cover band with his friends he was like 13 or 14 right, and my one of his friends was a a guy called uh, Daniel Merker, who who's guy from here but wrote songs with Celine Dion over time and shit like he he became like a real crazy musician and stuff in the business and he was in my dad's band they were best friends when they were kids like I still see him sometimes and I write music with him Mm -hmm. and um his mom who's like a big character was out there and um it, it was so funny like they got there and they were booked on the same stage at the same time like it was a mistake on the schedule and she got there, like manager like all angry and shit but like i don't care who this other guy is you booked us here we're playing on this stage and the guys went like okay we're gonna figure out a place to put Frank up but then and he was playing at another place that they figured out on the fly while my dad was playing his set and all my dad wanted was the get off the stage and run to go and see Frank Zappa. He was just like, why am I here right now, you know? Oh, well, man. He just told me the whole story. He was crazy. And that's, like, his big highlight as a musician. And, uh, you know, from, from then on, like, he just loved music and just kept going. And the moment he saw that I wanted to make a career out of it, he was just, like, super stoked. Wow.
0: That's, that's awesome. So, I mean, did your dad give you a drum set as a kid or you had a drum set at the
1: house or...? No, he actually had to buy it because my dad was really a really guitar player. He he played guitar, didn't play anything else. And uh, when I was interested in drums, like I was so young that they actually bought me like those tiny Mickey Mouse toy drums. Yeah. Turns out I really wanted to play drums, so that didn't cut it. Like I w- I went through it in like three weeks, like I broke the skins and stuff. And then like my parents went like, okay, now you gotta be really careful with it. We're gonna buy another one. And then the second one didn't last like eight days. <laughs> and I broke it again so they went like you know what all right we're gonna go to a music store and actually buy you like a baby like you know yeah they have like these baby sets but it's actually like real shells and stuff and you put actual skins on it Mm -hmm. so yeah they got like they got me one of those and I still have it in the in the basement right now like it's a little uh in memoriam
0: (laughs) that is awesome that is so cool so at that point I mean you're you're playing with uh you know the Beatles and Ringo I mean where did where did you go from there
1: Uh, You know, like it was kind of a weird thing. Like I I got into the Beatles like that for all the time before pretty much I got to school. Right. And then when I when I started school, uh, like I really got into sports and hockey. Like, I, like, you know, being from, being from Montreal, it's like the first thing you do when you're young is just like, yeah, okay, well, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a stick in a puck and just start <laughs> figuring it out. So I really got super into sports, like I, to a point where like I was a goalie hockey and from five to 15, it's pretty much all I did. Like I started learning piano as a side thing. Like my mom wanted me to keep going and learn piano. So I had piano lessons by the age of six onwards. And that's pretty much all I did musically, like that and obviously listen to music, but I wasn't really like in any way or shape or form like musician at that point. Like I didn't sing. I was not a good singer for a long time actually. That's another thing we could like, I learned it later, you know, with being a man growing up too, sometimes it's kind of weird. So I had all all that like transition, but to come back to the, uh, the original idea. I played hockey like that for a long time to the point where I became a hockey coach. When I was like 14, I was a goalie coach for younger kids. And I did that for two years. And then when I got to like the last years of high school, that's when it all changed for me because uh, I started writing a little bit, my own songs. I was good enough at piano to kind of figure it out. And uh, I did that. And they had music classes that were integrated in the curriculum at my high school that, same year and then all of a sudden like my persona within the high school changed I became the entertainer of the place I was the musician which I wasn't before I was just like a, a sports guy like every everybody else right but all of a sudden it was just like oh that guy has an identity now it's like it's crazy so for me it had an impact of just like whoa that might actually be my thing you know and then from there I just kept going and I started writing songs and then I went to college and music and I met the guys which with who I built the band and then and then you know It's history from there
0: that is awesome that is awesome you know it makes sense that you transition from drums to piano because most people don't think about it but they're both percussion instruments Mm -hmm. most people don't think about it that way but um i mean did you did you have you said you took some lessons but at some point did you veer off and just start kind of learning songs or
1: Yeah, well, see, what what really happened is, well, I learned drums, like, by myself, right? I was so young, like, my dad didn't give me classes when I was two, but um, from there, I started piano classes, but it was classical piano, right? So I learned the basics of piano through classical music and all that, and that was fine, but that wasn't necessarily the thing that really drove me to get better at piano, right? I was doing my 15 minutes practice every day if I felt like it, and that was pretty much it, right? Mm -hmm. But then I got to, like, eight or nine years old, and I realized like, oh, wait a second. I can play Imagine by John Lennon. I can play Let It Be. And I said, like, oh, okay. And then I started picking up some other songs. And then the more I went, the more I went to high school. And then I was more open to like, you know what was going on in the modern music and stuff. You know, back back then it was like Coldplay was coming up with like the big records and One Republic and all these things like that was really big in that. But also I had a side of me that really loved the, the more like hard rock bands. Like whether it was, uh, you know the like the the end of punk rock too, like the simple plan and, uh, you know, three days grace and bands like that. I was really big into that too. So I started picking up guitar along the way too, but that's like, that's all stuff that I really just from catching interest, but I kept playing classical piano throughout that, but I really, the moment I really crossed over to pop music and started realizing I could actually play it by, you know, through everything I learned in classical, I just went, Oh, that's really cool. and then from there I really started feeling like I really enjoyed what I was doing and I started playing a lot more.
0: Well that's cool because I mean I think because of your classical background um when you were learning it it was probably easier easier for you to pick up songs when you started playing the Beatles on piano Mm -hmm.
1: right? Potentially, potentially because like you know it's it's very technical classical, classical music so the moment you're able to do certain things you know, it, it actually the same happened to me when I got to college because to get into I wanted to get into this um, program that was like composition and arrangement for for just music in general. So you learn to you, you like through that program, I learned to do uh, obviously songwriting, but a lot of you know I can I can write score music now. I can write like sheet music for violins and you know brass instruments and stuff like that because I learned through that. But to get in that program, I needed to have like a main instrument, but it has to be, it had to be, um, jazz oriented, which at that point at 16 years old, I had never done. Oh yeah. You know? So I went like, oh, jazz. Okay. And then what they told me that at the, at the, like the, you know, when they do like this little, um, they have this little like open house day where they welcome like the, the upcoming students and they try to like, you know, show you around and all that. I went, I went there and that was three months away from the audition. And they told me that, and I didn't know before that. So I had three months to understand jazz and be able to play a jazz song properly enough to get to the audition and actually make it. That's no pressure, no, no pressure. Right. I was just like, what the hell? And then I, for whatever reason, (laughs) like, you know, things just turn out the way they're supposed to sometimes. So like I have in my hometown here, which is 20, 25 minutes away from Montreal on the South shore. We, we have like this local music school, right? So I go out there and I'm just like, hey, like, you got a piano teacher here who can teach me some jazz? And then i like, yeah, we got this guy who comes from, you know, the Caribbean and he just started teaching here this year. And then I started, you know, getting classes with him for the three months. Mm-hmm. He teaches me two, three songs, whatever I needed for, like, for the audition, what I needed to play and everything. And like, I went through, I passed the audition, they keep me. I'm super happy, and then turns out a month after, he wins an award from like CBC, like the big national TV in Canada for like best jazz record of the year. And I'm just like, ah, that explains it. (laughs) So the guy like is is an amazing, renowned jazz player, but he was literally teaching in my like, suburb, (laughs) you know, suburb town school, Music and he was just like teaching me all these songs with crazy chords that I even didn't even know what I was doing. Really, I was just like mechanically executing it properly. Right. And then they got me in with that because they realized I was able to play it. But they had to teach me the whole theory afterwards, and that's when it got weird, you know. Because for me, it was just like, well, I've never done that before, so I kind of have this adjustment to make, which is so unusual. And that's kind of what I did with uh, classical as well, you know. It's just like changing from one to the other is just like, whoa, so crazy.
0: But I like I like how you did not back down from the challenge of Mm -hmm. doing jazz three months to go audition. Most music artists would freak out. I mean, they would love to do it, but then, man, months and then they procrastinate and then they say, well, I don't know if I can. Well, and then they push it off and then they try to do it. Seems like you were methodical. Um, I mean, there was a little bit of luck. I mean, you, mm. you landed on a guy that was about to win a Jazz Award for Canada, but you know, um, you weren't afraid of the, of the challenge and, and you
1: weren't right. for it. plus plus the funny thing is like looking back, I didn't even need to do that. So because basically there's other schools that had the same program, but you could actually do it in pop music. Right. You know, but like my mentality was like what i'm like i'm gonna come into your school where i can do that program but with like a concentration in pop music but what are you going to teach me how to do a fucking one republic song i've done that for four years already exactly. like i'm not I'm, I'm coming here to learn you know exactly. like not to do the same thing i can do by myself already so that's why i kind of went like look i'll go the extra mile and i'll do jazz man because like the moment i'll be able to play jazz i'll be able to play anything on that piano that is awesome that is not- you know, so, like, that's probably one one of the things that explain why, even though my songs are very pop-oriented, when you listen to the piano parts, like, I'm able to, you know, I'm able to have fun with it every now and then, have a little something that kind of, without going crazy on the chords, it's just the way I play it. Like, I'll have a little, you know, I'll flourish on the side with my right hand or stuff like that, or I'll change a bass here and there, and it'll just, like, it'll change the color of the song a little bit which other people maybe didn't, wouldn't think of or wouldn't, because they, they didn't do that, that type of direction that I went in, you know?
0: No, absolutely. It's, um, you know, and, and I could hear it in your music. I could hear a lot of soul too. Um, mm-hmm. so When you did the audition, I mean, how, how did that go? I mean.
1: Well, man, so that, was, that was pretty crazy. Cause like, as I told you, I got in there and uh, I really, I knew how to execute songs, but I didn't know what type of chord I was doing, what type of scale I was playing in, like I, because I knew the basics from classical music, but you don't talk and all the like the modular scales and stuff like that that you can do. You just have major and minor, and that's what you do in classical. And you have like maybe a tweak here. And that's it, you know. So I had to. I was playing all these things, but I didn't know mentally what I was doing. So when they got to the theory part of it, and they just like they they had me do some like reading and stuff like that, and I was just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, like I had done like I, I knew how to read music but I knew how to read classical parts and that's way different than what you would get from a jazz chart Right. you know where you have the chords on top and the melody and I, I got lost because they gave me a jazz chart and I was just like well I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that <laughs> like I done, never saw that in my life and they just gave it to me for the first time at the audition I was just like uh, guys I'll, I'm going to be honest here I don't know what to do with this <laughs> <laughs> and then the teacher actually just showed up and just started telling me like can you do this chord can you do that chord can you do that chord and i'm like yeah can you can you play the melody yeah and then she kind of figured okay well she's he's just never seen that but he's going to be able to figure it out like it's just he never put one and two together because he never seen the chart like that but they kind of figured that it was okay so i guess that kind of you know passed the test for them like the audition in terms of the playing, it went well, you know. Like you know, the guy really prepared me That's thoroughly, great. and I practiced enough that you know I was able to get in. But <laughs> when they got to, to, to that part and realized that I was literally just playing stuff without really knowing what was going on, they went like, oh, "Okay." But you know, the cool thing about it is like I guess they figured out that the whole idea of going to music school is to learn those things, right? You and know. So-, so as long as you can, you know, do you need to know how to play? like the perfect system in a basketball game or you do you, you just need to be really awesome at basketball first and then we're going to teach you you know exactly. exactly like i would take a gamble with somebody who's super talented and just teach him what i want him to do afterwards you know
0: yeah you showed the aptitude and the ability and so they they believed in you and you got in and like i said you you took a shot at jazz yeah. three months ago, which is uh no, it yeah. says a lot about your character.
1: So, oh, and it was tough, man. I got to tell you, like when I got in and then I had all these classes, you know, like they, they put you into groups, right? You have like band classes where you do like songs together and everything. And you like normally you prepare on your final exams like a show at the end of the semester. But I was with guys who played jazz for the past six years, like they started as teenagers and stuff. And I was out there playing with them, like, you know, there, there's a little bit of an intimidating factor in there because, like, you're still, you know, you still you get in college you're like 17 18 there's still that little bit of like that mentality of like you're cool if you're good right you know type of thing and i was getting there like i was like i'm not scared to say that i was the worst jazz pianist in the school because i never did it before i had to learn the whole thing right so like everybody else was so freaking amazing it was they were they were great you know so i was just listening listening and watching to like my bandmates i was just like depressed every single time after two hour rehearsal because I was just like what am I doing here man like these guys are killing it and I'm just like but then when I got to like a year year and a half after is when you start the whole composition songwriting classes and stuff and where you really get into like writing music and that's when people kind of realized who I was as an artist because they went like oh that's what he does he writes music and he does these things and he's the pop guy here you know and that kind of made me stand out because I was the only guy in the whole school who knew what Maroon 5 did the last year,
0: you right. know, because
1: everybody was just like, bro, we're not listening to radio over here. Like you know, we're <laughs> grabbing, true. like we're grabbing albums and vinyls of like freaking Miles Davis and listening to that on the corner.
0: records, yeah, yeah.
1: But I was just like, Hey, you know, like Maroon 5 is like top two on billboard right now. They were like, what are you talking about? What's billboard? <laughs> you know, it's just like, We're what? Five. <laughs> five. Who's that? It's like, uh, you know, like I don't know, one of the biggest bands in like those years, especially, you know. So I was just like, wow. But hey, yeah, that that kind of made me, in their in their perspective, which was cool. Like I was I was okay with it.
0: It's about taking a chance, absolutely. And then uh, you said something yeah. after that, you started your your band or
1: something, right? Yeah, well, I we actually started it like in between. So basically, like I started with the band. uh, The guys I found it was at the school. Like I met the guys from the band pretty much all except my bass player, at school. And we started. We had we actually had like a huge strike in 2012 Hmm. while I was there, and we had no schools open from, if I'm not mistaken, from February to August. You know, so like, yeah, so people were out there on strike. It was like it was all about like school uh, tuition, like the fees and the prices and everything. Because like over here, you know, especially in Quebec, but like most of Canada, we're really big on like keeping school very, very affordable so that, you know, everybody can go and get educated and all that shit. So that's really something that people stand for. And like the, the government in Quebec here was trying to raise tuition fees and stuff like that. And people really didn't like that. So all schools went out. And while they were doing that, we made the most of that time by rehearsing and doing like music contests and stuff like that. And that's, that's when it all started for us. Like we started meeting with you know, a bunch of artists that were in the, these contests. We met people along the way. And then we won a contest in my hometown. And we, what we won was an opening act at the festival in my town. And it was an opening act for the band Headley, which was which always which is like a huge band in, in Canada, right? Like so they, they were touring arenas and stuff. So we ended up opening for them, and their bass player decided that he wanted to produce our album. Oh, wow. So I I had like I had to finish school after that, which was pretty crazy when you think of it. I was just like, well, give me a year and a half, I'll just finish my school and then I'll come to Vancouver and do that stuff, right? Uh-huh. So it was just like I so we did that and then we went and then that's that's kind of how it started.
0: That's great. That's great. So um, I guess you're playing with the band and still going to school for a while. Or did you pursue it any further? or what happened?
1: Yeah, no. we actually once once I finished that school and uh, we had that album ready, then we we made a couple extra songs with the guy here in Quebec to finish an album because we did like six songs with Tommy from Headley. And then we, another four songs over here. And we released it as an album that became my, my album with the band, What You Want For Me. And uh, <laughs> the album came out on January 26th, and that was in 2016. And by <laughs> January 29th, we were, pay- we were literally playing on the biggest radio station in Montreal. So, mm-hmm. like, our, like, our promotion team just did it an amazing job on that record like they got the biggest radio stations to play us in a matter of weeks man. and like yeah it became like so it became our life for the next three years afterwards and uh, straight off the school
0: what did that feel like to hear your music on the radio for the oh,
1: first man. Was, at first it's it's, it's kind of weird you know and like the very i remember the very first time it was a uh so we have virgin radio here in montreal and uh they played us as like a um you know, just like a one shot thing where they were talking about us in like a show with like new artists coming out and though and they played they played my song called Smile, which is like my big ballad from the album and everything. And I remember I was just sitting on like a log chair, like wood log, and I was just I had my hair like my, my head down and I just I just couldn't kind of like process it you know i was just hearing the guy go like hey this new band called bridgeway this is their song smile the song starts and i'm just like is this really happening (laughs) you know (laughs) like you can't believe it at first you're like oh man that's that's crazy and then when it got to the other song and then it really became like a top five hit in a matter of like a month from the release of the album we were just like wow man that's okay that's pretty crazy and then like you know people started knowing the song and like people were like oh so like what do you do in life and it was just like well i'm a singer that's the song and then i would play the song to people they'd be like oh that's you (laughs) you know people started noticing like the songs and everything and like that that changed the whole thing i was just like wow this is amazing man like what a life
0: (laughs) you know yeah i mean that that would be a game changer no doubt so Did you guys continue to do albums for a while or, or did you end up? Actually,
1: actually we run on that album for like close to four years. Like we had, we had two years of hits from that album. Like we had two songs that went top 10 another one went like top 20 and another one top 40 for a matter of like six months each played on radio, which was pretty insane. Wow. So yeah, we did that. And then we played shows throughout and, um, you know, we were close, we were just going to like get back in studio to work on the second record when the band actually broke up and that was it. And then that's when I had like a year of reflection on my end. And then I decided to go solo.
0: That's cool. That's well, that's, you know, I think that was a great background for you to have the band experience. And oh yeah, how was that transitioning into the solo feel? How, how did you handle that?
1: Well, you know, it was, it was definitely a, a change of pace, a change of ambience. Cause like, you, you know, having like your bandmates with you all the time, you kind of get to rely on them for certain things. And obviously there's a fun factor of just like being, you know, chilling with the guys and everything. So that kind of changed. And like the, the, the way I was working with uh, the producers changed because instead of like being with my friends and the producers being like their, their own thing. The, the producers became my friends, you know, and we were working together closely on how we wanted a record to sound and it really changed the perspective of, you know, studio sessions and recording and all these things. But for the better, I think, though, because like the producers are there, you hire them and you work with them for their perspective on what the sound of the song should be and, you know, where, where you want to go. And like when you're, when you're a band, it's kind of hard for a producer to kind of work this because the drummer wants his drum part the guitar player wants his guitar part and the bass player won't ever accept that you're going to put a synth bass in his place you know what i mean like it's those types of things yeah Yeah. it's sometimes it's hard and like when it's just me then if i want to put a synth bass if i want no drums whatsoever and i just want like synths and kicks and snares and like 808s then producer feels like it's the right way to go we're gonna go there you know and I like, I like that creative freedom, to be honest. Like it's very, it's really fun to be in there and just be like, hey, I really feel like considering where we wanna go and where the music is going right now, like we should switch that snare sound for this one. And like, everybody's just like, yeah, let's do it. You right, know? right. And I feel like this is a lot of fun, but that being said though, I really loved how the band sounded and I have no regrets with like everything that we've done because like we had success in like our local market and it was a lot of fun and we we had like amazing times out there so I think like you said it's just a learning curve like I learned you know I got my grades from being in the band and then now I'm just as a solo artist and I'm more confident than ever in where I want to go and what I want to do.
0: I think it's an advantage I think coming from a band to solo because you Even when you leave the band or the band breaks up, you still kind of have that energy uh, left over. And I think it helps propel
1: the music a little bit, for sure. It might, man. Yeah, I mean, like, I definitely want, like, when I I look into people to work with, I really want to have that fun feeling again. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to work with somebody if it's not enjoyable. Like, as professional as they might be, if I don't have that element, it's going to be tough. Cause I really want to thoroughly enjoy what's going on. And especially since I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm the one recording most of the stuff now. Like I, you know, sometimes I'm going to have musicians in, but I don't really need them that much in the sense that I can play pretty much everything. So unless it's a part that's really like, I want to have a creative output from somebody else or something that's really technical that needs to be done a certain way, then I'm, I'm out there in the studio doing it, you know? So The producer has a lot of, you know, input in what I'm doing because he's the one listening to me and help me out and be like, Hey, how about you do this? How about you do that? And then we go by that and we kind of make it happen. Right. Like it's, it's definitely another thing, but like, I want that producer to be able to put me in the mood where I'm happy to do what I do and really perform it to the best of my capabilities. Absolutely. That's super important to me. Yeah. I I I guess you're, you're definitely right in that regard.
0: Yeah, you hit a key point for sure because, um, you know, there's a lot of producers you can work with or even engineers that mm-hmm. can get you a particular sound or like you you describe it and they can get you where you're trying to go and kind of yep. you know, bounce off ideas but you said it best. I mean you've got to feel comfortable and you've almost got to have this camaraderie like a band between the two of you. Absolutely. So got
1: a vibe. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, like the, the other thing though that Really, I, I really love with the producer, I'm, I'm working the producers, because there's one, one I'm working with right now, is that they also have this, like they understand their job really well. Because like a producer's real like job, when it comes to like working with an artist and not a singer, is that the artist has an idea of the direction he wants to go and how he he wants his sound and his brand to look like and sound like, right? and. The producer in that, in that type of context, like, like it is with me has to understand those things and has to be like, okay, well, if we consider that this is what we want to do, how do we make it work so that it really stands out in that direction? You know, cause like, I know I want to be a pop, pop artist with a rock edge. You know, that's, that's what I am. That's I'm an artist that does pop music but I have the organic background of like having a band playing with me live. And I wanna hear that even when I, when I have the song and the record, because to me, having that little heavy guitar at the back, even if it's ducked down and you can't really hear it, but you just feel it, you're just like, mm, yeah, you know, you got that little guts at the back. That's I stuff, that, back really, back that's stuff that really gets me going.
0: Yeah, no, I totally you know, know what you're know? talking about. There's a lot of records that you hear, I bet you this, there's yeah. a lot of artists that you hear live and their live take is like what should be on the record I bet I bet you oh yeah you've done it you know that.
1: what you know what there's actually one very particular one that I have that is exactly what you're talking about so five seconds of summer have a song called uh, easier right uh-huh. and the song is the song is good like I, I like the vibe I like the song of it the the sound of it in general but they have this version on YouTube, which is a live version, but it's like a it's like a live recorded version. You know what I mean? Like they made a video that's live, but it's re- it's pre-recorded. You can hear like the whole thing going on. And it's I can't remember the name of the room they're in, but the, it's if you look at it, you, you look at it on YouTube, you'll find it really easily. It's live at the something. Mm-hmm. And they have this version where like they they bring back their rock elements from like the earlier years. Mm-hmm. where they were like really punk rock and stuff and i was like oh my god this is so much <laughs> better this is awesome you know yeah. it, it got me into it got me into the song so much because at first i heard it and i was just like well okay it's a pop song it's it's all right and then when i heard that version i was just like okay oh, the sounds the song is great you know right because it, it just it just brought it from here to there in my mind because i was just like oh my god man because i know these guys are amazing live like they're great musicians and stuff and like these are these are artists that i would love to you know to make music with in the next years like they they're really down my alley and i I'm, I'm sure we'd do like amazing songs together if if we get the chance to sit down in the studio together come you know come the time we're actually able to sit down in the studio i guess but <laughs> you know that's that's definitely a thing for me like definitely agree with you that just brought the song to a next level for me
0: yeah no i it's like sometimes i think especially in pop production it's like you have these sounds and you know and, and from a producer standpoint you're, you're trying to make it pop sonically in in a production standpoint but yeah. then sometimes you want that edge to it sometimes it's too smooth and i think that's what you're saying that's what you're going after is like you want that pop appeal but you also you, you want you want those rough edges a little bit because you want it to have that that yeah that feel right
1: yeah you know what like I'm actually working on a on a EDM type of record with a, a DJ friend of mine from here and that's kind of what we're doing too like you know we started writing the song and the song I wrote it it was very very organic when when we started writing it but we were like it would be really cool to have it like it sounds like a song that needs a drop, that needs like these elements from EDM, right? So I was just like, let's do that. But over the recording process, there's a point where I literally got on the drums and I went like, man, we need some real sounds in there. And like, so we have a drop that literally like takes a drum beat that I did playing Mm-hmm. and we just switched the elements so we took the kick away from my drum part and we switched it with the edm kick that the dj had nice you know and we we kept the hi-hats because they were rock hi-hats that i had that really just gives that edge that you're talking about and we you know we took my snare but we blended it with his snares and stuff and we just and and the stack of it just makes for a drop that is so kick ass wow. you know so like whenever the song comes out obviously like people are gonna People are gonna hear from it in, in social media and all that. It's and probably, it's probably headed for 2021, but it's, it's really interesting because it makes for like a, a, an EDM track that has a lot of that pop rock edge that I always have when I come in, you know, when I come in the room, because right. that's my identity. So if you have me in the song, chances are not only my voice will be on it, but kind of my sonic input, you know, like my, there's a lot of my output in, in how the song is gonna sound at the end generally. Oh for sure oh for sure
0: yeah i mean music artists and producers have a sound a print. you know even if yeah. you know vocals on it vocals without it has like a certain sonic character that's a hook within itself so right that's cool but let's talk about million roses um
1: i really yep. like
0: that song tell me about where you're coming from lyrically on
1: that one yeah well that's that's been a that's been a big song in the summer for me, and you know, like I, I, this is a song I wrote quite a while ago. To be honest, I uh, I had this um, idea waking up from a dream, and it was I was seeing this lane, which in the song title I called it the King's Lane, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I had like I saw this lane. It was it was kind of a cobblestone road leading to a castle at the end, kind of like you would see in Europe, and there was roses on both sides of that lane. But they were like all all types of colors of roses that we know, right? You know, the white, blue, all the colors, if not more. Like I feel like it was a rainbow in my head. But <laughs> I saw this and I woke up and I had this image and I just went on the piano straight up and I started playing. And the melody came to me at the same time. And I started just telling the story, you know, writing the words like everything closes. I'm walking along the street where grows million roses, this and that. And I got to the chorus and I was just like, well, that's that's beautiful, that's great, it's a nice image, but what am I talking about here? Like, what's the, you know, what's the, what's the concept? What am I, what's the message here? And it came to me, I was just like, oh, wait, these roses are like, they're us, you know? Like, they're different colors, they're different sizes, but the thing is, on that King's Lane, they're just sharing that space and the fact that they're all cohabitating in the same space together makes it so much more beautiful than if it was just one wow you know that it like i just went like if we were to do the same thing it would create a a picture as beautiful as the one i had waken up from that dream you know and and our world would just be as peaceful as what i saw when i was sleeping
0: man what a vivid dream. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I know.
1: I know. Like, you know, the, the craziest part is I, I barely ever remember my dreams. Yeah,
0: me either. Me either. But the ones you remember, it's like, wow. Sometimes it's like you're out yeah. of breath because it's just so vivid. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's awesome. Well, that's how it came to me, man. And then, you know, like I, I went out to L.A. and I recorded with with, yeah. I went, I, you know, I recorded it in L.A. with uh, uh, Earl Powell. I think I know it's uh so he worked uh, he worked stuff with Keisha Cole uh Jennifer Hudson and the Jacksons and uh you know we got there and I started recording with him and uh it was it was so funny man because like I got to this house where the studio was in and uh we start recording and stuff and I don't really know where I'm at you know like I'm just I'm recording it's like okay so everything's going smoothly my producer's running the whole thing and then I look around and I start seeing like amps around. They're like, you know, they have these touring tags on top. It's like Jackson five, Jackson five. You got like stuff all over this. And like. And then I go like, bro, Earl, like, where are we? Like, what, what is this place? Like, what? <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, this is one of Tito Jackson's places. And he, you know, like I'm a good buddy with him. So like, he just, he just lends me the, the studio whenever I want to work. So I was just like, oh okay, good to know, <laughs> you know, like, as so I was just walking around with, like, a bunch of Jackson 5, like, relics all over the place, man, and I was just like, this is crazy, and then they, we we start working like that, it was, like, a week-long session for the song, so we start on Monday, and on Thursday night at 10 p.m., Tito comes back from London, and he's just like, oh, what's up, guys, man, how's it going, and, like, super chill, man, like, we knew each other forever, you know, mm-hmm. we just got along, we started talking like that, and he heard the song that week and he loved it. And that's kind of how, you know, the idea came to me that like, it, it would be awesome to have him on because, you know, I remember that he loved it and we recorded it at this place. And I was just like, Hey, you know what? With the message that I'm trying to share here and just be like, Hey, let's just all be together. Right. The fact that, you know, Tito Jackson coming from his perspective and his background is so different, so much different than mine would just add a lot. Of, like also the, the age difference too, right? Like Tito's a lot older than I am. And he's got a lot more experience and he comes from a different, you know, it's a different era and he lived different experiences. So to have his perspective to it and add, like it just add, it adds a lot of depth to it. You know what I mean? And I really felt like I needed that. So we got we got in touch with him through my producer again and he was down to do it. And it just it just made that, you know, amazing speech at the end that I feel just works so well with it
0: yeah yeah it's it's got a lot of meaning to it you know it's funny that you wrote that um a while ago because I mean the the message is very relevant particularly this
1: this year more now than ever it's crazy like that's kind of that's kind of what happened actually you know I had the song in the back burner for a little bit and I, I I was feeling like I wanted to release it this year for whatever reason I knew I didn't know when but I was like that'd be a good time like I feel like you know my message would be would be nice and you know relevant to the, like to whatever's happening right now and then like all the shootings started to happen and all these things and I went like okay I'm, re- I'm releasing this now <laughs> like because yeah. because I'm not a politician like I'm no politician you know mm-hmm. I'm not I don't I don't get into that I'm not, I'm not I don't mind talking about my ideas and like trying to share but
0: you're not like Ever a political artist, you
1: know? Right? No, not really. But, like, there's certain things like that that I feel are, it's, it's like, it's it's common, bottom line, friggin' common sense, you know? Like, and these things for me is just, like, I want to make sure that these things are figured out by, by the time I'm gone, you know? So, like, as much as I can try and, and help out in that sense, whether it's just by talking about it sometimes with the people that I, are close to me or you know if i'm in a conversation like that with you and like people can hear us out and stuff and i cuz i feel like it's important we all know that we like we're we're all in this together and we like we should we should really take as much like of that hate out the window and just start realizing that we're all the same we all wish to be the same at the end of the day and and have this peace together and the more we're going to share everything that we are everything that we have and the better everybody's gonna gonna be, you know, and that's the type of thing that I like to do. But I like to do it even better when I can put it into words and make it into a song, because that's really what I love to do.
0: Your your message is dead on, and I, I think you you hit a lot of key points. If we can just all learn to to share and appreciate just um, togetherness, and and you know, and, and stop focusing on our differences, but what we have in common, which is really We all want a good life. We all want to take care of ourselves and our family and our friends. And
1: absolutely, but I think like you know, it's important. It's important to focus on our our common points, but it's also important to acknowledge that we do have differences. But they're to be celebrated, you know, because it's amazing that we all come from different places and that we do have these differences differences between one another, and that's what makes us us you know and that's because like it's it's kind of the same way like i'm talking about the the roses on on that on that lane it's just how boring would it be if they were all red right right they're all red it's like okay well it could be it could be beautiful right but after a time you'll be like okay maybe i you know maybe i could put some yellow in like i don't know try something like it's all red (laughs) it's been red for seven months now i don't know like you you know like if you were yeah. If you were the owner of the castle, you'd be like, okay, Gardner, can you change something up or I'm going to fire you Like, do something. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel about us too. It's just like, you know, I love, you know, as, as a, as a white guy, I've, I've, I've grew up in, I grew up in Canada, which like, obviously everything that has to do with racism is like, it's, it's not that it's non-existent. It's just like, it's so like, it's not as deeply Uh, rooted you know within within our communities because like I was I was in kindergarten there was a black girl in my class and an Algerian kid from like you know and I mean we were 12 kids and like that's all we were you Mm -hmm. know what I mean like we didn't see that we like I was taught that the black girl was different because for me like for me she was actually the pretty one in the room right Right. Like I, I liked her like she was my friend she I found her pretty I was a five-year-old kid who just found a black girl cute because I found a black girl cute that's all it was right. and there was nothing to it and like the fact that she has different you know different background and different culture and all that like growing up like I was I was huge into like everything that came out from like black culture and like as a teenager and like in my early 20s I really got into like everything that comes out from South America as well and all the reggaeton and stuff like that you know Like it really got big late last, the last few years. And I I love this stuff, you know, and I don't really want it to change. Like, I really like the way it is and like, let's just keep improving it and make it better. And like, you know, let's, let's just keep, keep making all this stuff amazing and, and have fun with it wherever we come from, you know? And, and I think also that's another thing when I, when I talk about sharing, you know, if somebody from a different background wants to get into some of those cultures, I think it should be welcomed. You know, like, I feel like there's, there's always a trouble, like what, whatever background you are, when you have something that's yours and somebody else is getting in like Eminem becoming a rapper mm-hmm. Tiger Woods becoming a golfer. Those things are always been like, oh, you know, that's why is it weird, man? If they're good at what they do, just fucking embrace it. And let's just yeah. go like, you know,
0: just live it. Yeah. Yeah. And don't worry about the, the titles. right? Or,
1: uh... Like we started, ha- we started having like this year, uh, there's like uh, just last week or the week before it was the NHL draft for the new hockey players to get in. And mm. the second overall pick was a black guy from Ontario, from, from Ontario, if I'm not mistaken, or no, for the Western Canada. And, but it was the highest ever drafted black player in the history of hockey. It's awesome. But yeah but the, exactly that was my reaction i was just like that's great man like <laughs> you know like it just it just because because we had some we we've had some black players in the history of hockey so far and it's it's great because like they coming from a different background makes makes you in a different musician makes you in a different athlete makes you in a different everything in a way like you're going to have your own unique touch to it And like we had a black player in Montreal called P.K. Subban, who's a super famous hockey player. He's a superstar. He won trophies and stuff like awards. He's a great defenseman. And he had his very own particular way of playing defense position. And Mm -hmm. people absolutely loved it. Like P.K. Subban is one of my favorite hockey players. And like the fact that he's black has something to do with it. Right. But the fact that he embraced hockey, which is a super white Canadian sport, made that. And to me, I find that super beautiful. Yeah, You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, I, think, I think the more we do that, the, the, the more amazing this world is going to become because we're going to have people from all backgrounds do everything and just bring all these sports music and everything to the next level in every way. And that's what we want. Like we always want, I think, as a society to get better in everything, right? And whatever comes from whoever should be welcomed, I think.
0: No, for sure. For sure. And, and, uh, no, you, you definitely hit a lot of key points there. I mean, I think the more we move into the future, uh, the more some of the ills of the past will leave us. They won't completely leave. Uh, but I think, well,
1: we're moving forward and a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, cause like th- these things I talk about to you, I'm I'm going to say the same things to my kids. Right. Yeah. So, so when we're going to move in that direction and then my kids are going to learn that and their kids are going to learn what they learned from me, hopefully, like I'm hoping I'm going to do a good job as a father at some point, but over time, it's going to turn into something where like, we're all going to be, I believe more open. And, and that's, that's just perfect to me. And, and it's, you know, it's no, it's no disrespect to the ones that came before because they had the same efforts to make. Like their gra- like our grandparents and our great-great-grandparents were so much further back yeah. and our parents had them, you know, they moved a certain direction to get in a situation where we can start from where they were and move forward. So I think like we have to give credit to our parents and like the people that came before to, you know, not like, I mean, they didn't stay in the middle ages. Mm-hmm. They still moved forward somehow. It weren't it wasn't perfect in their years we're seeing it now we want to do it people are going to look at us and say that our years weren't really great you know of course of course yeah I mean. that's, that's just how it is so like you know it's all respect but the fact that we're actually trying really hard maybe like maybe more than ever to actually just get that out of the way i think is is to our credit
0: absolutely so tell me about your, your songwriting process. How do you start? How do you get into your zone? How do you do that?
1: Uh, well, I really get into the zone naturally. I think it's weird, man. Like, I really, I really write uh, about what I live, you know? So I, I, that's, that's one of the things that's been kind of hard in a way. Being quarantined in the house is just like, I love to write about what I see what I live. So I go out, I travel, do stuff like that. And then, you know, I'll be in the plane heading to Russia and I'll be writing a song in the corner. Cause I'll be like, Oh, I'm thinking about this thing that I saw at the counter when I was buying a croissant, you know, right. in Paris doing my transfer. And like, this just comes to me like that. And I got a song, you know, it's, it's, it's really like that for me and, or certain things that will come from me from, from, you know, inspirations from either uh, TV shows and stuff like that. Like I very rarely sit down and go like, okay, I I need to write a song, you know, it's more like a, it happens. So my writing process is really just like a free for all type of thing in a way, you know, it's different when I do co-writes though. Mm -hmm. Cause if I have a co-write, then, you know, I'm sitting down with somebody else and we want to get to a point in in a matter of time. So it's like, okay, well, what do we want to talk about? And then, you know, we just start generally what we do, we're going to start talking. Anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, we're going to be just like chatting about what's in our, what's in our mind right now and everything. And we're going to, at some point during that conversation, we're going to hit a subject. It's going to be like, oh, that's it. And then we're going to start playing. We're going go to find our stuff. The vibe's going to be there. And then all of a sudden magic happens. You know, that's generally how it happens. Like there is certain exceptions to the rule, like freaking you know, King's Lane waking up from a dream. That's just, you know, it's not my usual way to do things but it happens sometimes
0: those are the gems yeah oh but, yeah cool but, how you you pull just from life um and, it, and you and you work on your inspiration so it's not like you're sitting down and saying oh i'm gonna write a song it's like no you start hearing it in your head or you have an idea right away man that lands you expand on that right
1: absolutely i mean generally the moment i have like the idea coming and i write the like you know, generally the idea was gonna come before the words. But sometimes sometimes I'm gonna, ha- I'm gonna just have everything in my head right away. It's, to be honest, there are times where I'm actually questioning where the, the inspiration comes from. Like, it feels like it's not me. It's just like, I sit down on the piano, I put my fingers on it random, just like, boom. And then 15 minutes further, I'm just like, hey, I got a, I got a track
0: that's the spirit working through you yeah i know exactly what you mean it's something coming coming over you and suddenly it's like wait a minute what
1: what huh it's yeah and you know like the craziest thing for me too is like as as i told you i'm french canadian which implies that my first language is french right right and i learned english over time because i mean you know english culture is 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 very prominent everywhere in north america so quebec is no exception to that like we get a lot of it and you know I learned, obviously being you know English from the Beatles when I was a kid learning music and everything. I heard it so much that it really got to me easy. But uh, there are still moments when I talk, when I do stuff that you know I, I might lack a certain word that I want to say, or stuff like that. And then it happens that I wake up or, or I, I sit down and start like writing words and, and, so, and songs and stuff like that, and I'm going to write words that I'd never said. Right, And like, I'll, I'm just, I'm just going to turn around and be like, wait a second, is that really a thing? And then I'm turn around and I'll just double check it on either like Google Translate or like dictionaries and be like, is that sentence actually something that we can say? I'm just take the whole thing and put it on like Google, see if like some stuff comes out, whatever it is. Like, I'm just double checking the any single way I can. And turns out it's actually a thing. Right. And I'm just like, wow, that's crazy. Like, I've never said this phrase ever. And all of a sudden, it comes to me writing just like, hey, oh, that could be cool. And then, you know, I've, I, I maybe I'm never going to say it after either, you know? It's no, just in the song like that. And it came to me, and I, never, I didn't even know what it meant.
0: That's the inspiration working through you. And you're figuring out the words as you go is kind of an afterthought. I've had moments like that where I've written in a language that I don't know, but yet the syllables are kind of coming out with the melody. And then you work your way backwards and then you, you fit in the words. I know what you mean. And it's one of those crazy things. It's like I'm writing in something that I don't normally, well, it's some of it may not always be natural, but right. yet it's just, it's like coming out of thin air. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. that's That's, that's awesome. always fun when it happens though. Like it's really, it's really cool. The feeling you get after you have that in your hands and you're just like, wow, you know, yeah. I feel like this is special, you know, like, and you're just like all happy and you're like, let's get in the studio. Let's do it. Like, you yeah, know, it's, it's crazy.
0: Special. It's special because I think a lot of people have that ability perhaps, but they don't know how to tap into it or, you know, so it's kind of like, you're you got to be open. Yeah. And you have to be open. Like you said, you have to be able to let it go through you. Um, and it, it's, it's special, no doubt. I mean, not everybody has it or some people have it but they just don't they can't you know it may not be their talent to do that
1: but um yeah or they I, express I, it differently man like you know it might not be like for me it's writing words and singing and doing music for other people it's going to be through whatever they're doing whether it's just like building stuff as an engineer or you know there's so many ways to express it it's right? just like you've got certain talents when you when you get to, into this world and it's really up to like are you open to let your, let your body go the direction it's supposed to be. And like, you know, obviously society, the way being the way it is right now with like, Oh, you got to study to be successful. You got to do this. You got to do that. I mean, a lot of it makes a lot of sense because obviously like, I really encourage everybody to, you know, go to school and get educated. And like, you know, when they did that strike in Canada, I agreed to it because I was just like, you know, it's always better if everybody has the chance right. to get to school and do those things. But at the same time, there's absolutely nothing wrong with somebody not going into school because he has this vision of something else he wants to do and he goes traveling or he starts writing or whatever it is. And then, you know, nothing says that they won't have success in in their endeavors.
0: Absolutely. Plenty of successful people have, you know, gone a different route than school and they've been wildly successful. Everybody has a path and that's what you have to be open to is, is being intuitive with your path, whatever that may be. Um, For sure. Tell me, how do you know, like, so you've, you've got the inspiration, you're working on it, you know, you're open to the source, the music going through you, and you've, you've put together your song, you, you've you laid down the tracks. How do you know the song is done and you're, because you could go on indefinitely and change yeah. the vocal, change the guitar, take the kick out, put it back in, or, you know, how do you know when you're you're done?
1: uh generally it's the the good feeling you know like i like i told you there's i'm i'm never alone barely ever alone when i work on a mix because i like to have my people with me my producer maybe you know a buddy of mine or something Mm -hmm. and uh sometimes i'll be there and i'll just listen to it and if it gets through me with everything that we've done with the drums with the whole instrumentation and it just works from top to bottom you're just like oh because this is amazing you know and that's when you know the production is done. Sometimes once that's done, then you got to get into like the technical aspect of it where it's just like, okay, we're just going to edit the little stupid stuff that might be on the vocal track and stuff that happens. You know, like you got that little technical aspect of it to take care of. But in terms of like how much stuff do you want on the song, there is a point where you're just like, this is just, you know, you, you feel it. It's, yeah. it's, not a, it's not a rational thing when it comes to production. Like that. It's just, you sit down, you listen to it. You're like, this is amazing. Let's just keep it like that, go. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's, that's, that's great. You're very intuitive that way. And I think that's good because there's a lot of artists that, that tend to overthink themselves. And with that, I'd like oh, to ask Don't you mind,
1: your- like, yeah. don't worry. I do overthink though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm gonna tell you like, the thing is, whenever we are in production, I will make sure to try every single thing that comes to my mind or anyone's in the studio to be sure that when we get to the end, nobody in the room has this. Yeah. But what if we tried this? You already tried. Cause I know like for, <laughs> from being this guy all the time, I know it sucks. You know? <laughs> oh, but, but I mean like, I feel like maybe we could have added a kick on the third measure there, but then you just do it. You realize it doesn't work. You take it off and you're just like, yeah, it's fine. The way it is. But if right. I don't do it, I'm gonna have it in my head for the years to come. I will always be like, hey, what about that snare, man? I can't, why didn't we try it? That you know? damn snare. So, <laughs> oh, exactly, so like I'm so thorough when it comes to that. Like I'm. we're gonna take like, I'm gonna pay my producers an extra hour of studio just to be like, let's try this, let's try that, let's try this, let's try that. Make sure that I got everything figured out and that we're certain 100% that we have the best option for drums, the best option for guitars and everything is the best that it can be for the track. Absolutely.
0: So take me through an experience in your musical journey where you were disappointed, something happened, you were let down, you were thinking it was gonna go one way, it went another, and how you were able to yeah. overcome that and, and press on.
1: Uh, you know, I think I kind I kinda went a little bit on it with the band experience. Because it went from being amazing locally to us starting to go out in Toronto and then, you know, expanding to the rest of Canada and starting to have a little bit of exposure there. And it just stopped right there, you know, and at the moment we started doing like, hey, we're going to have this second album. It's going to be better. It's going to be even more popular on the outside because we're going to have a the right team to push it on the you know in the rest of canada and maybe in the states uh, that's where we were headed and i guess it was mostly an ego thing that kind of just broke everything up because you know we like people saw things different and a couple of the guys just they didn't feel like going there and you know we we liked to have um we had we like to have a band and play but not everybody wanted to like travel and go you know overseas and you know go to the u.s and you know stay in toronto for a month and a half like not everybody necessarily wanted to make the sacrifice Mm -hmm. of doing that which is fine i understood why you know some of the guys were thinking like that they had their different path but uh i was kind of disappointed when that happens for when that happened for sure because i was really feeling that we were heading the right direction and uh you know it kind of stopped and i really had a year or close to a year where I was I was at home and I didn't really know what to do and I was kind of like you know how am I gonna turn this around do I really want to keep going with this and everything and then things just happened and I got into it and as a solo artist it kind of worked out and we got the interest of some people and it worked
0: yeah yeah got me back into it I know that feeling I've definitely been in band situations where and you know, it's probably you're like me. You're the you're the motivated one. Not not that the other ones are not, but you, you seem to me to be a person with a very clear vision of, of what you're doing and what you want to do. And um I'm I'm the
1: know, I'm the oppressor, know. man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's that that's I like how yeah, to do this. You know, that's how things get done and, and you know, and and uh, people with a vision who push it, they make it to the finish line. So um I know what that's like to kind of feel like, you know, you're excited about where it's going and then things start to kind of slow down. You're like, wait a minute. Like we're, we, we already had the success and now we're about to make it even bigger. Like, come on, man. Like we're already, so I, I could I could I could totally feel that frustration. So, I mean, what do you do from there
1: to, to break out of that? What'd you do? Man, it's really, a, it's really a mindset, you know, like you gotta, you gotta, understand at a certain point there's just like well listen like this was a part of me and there's some elements from that that I can carry on to what I'm going to do next but there's certain elements that you have to leave there and be like you know what we I'm starting again man I'm I'm doing my own thing now and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be working with different people I'm gonna be uh you know approaching music a different way but it doesn't mean it's not going to be better and uh you gotta put yourself in a situation where you're just like, you know what? I'm gonna try it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give a hundred percent to that new thing, and see what happens. You know, that's great. That's, that's, great. that's just how I did it. Like I, I didn't overthink it. I guess at that point, like I felt bad for some time. I just I just went through it naturally, just being like, yeah, it's it's normal that I feel that way. Like back then, like, you know, I had. I had a girlfriend back then that's been really supportive of me in that you know weird period where i didn't really know what to do so like you know i'm thankful for her being there at that period of time but uh you know everybody around me kind of helped me out in that in that period whether it was, was my family or certain people and it really went well after that you know it, it, it gave me the kick to just get going again
0: yeah yeah and i, I and i agree with what you're saying sometimes you can't be afraid of the unknown. You just take one step forward and, and you'll figure it out. And um, I think that's the way to go. Tell me, how does your day begin and how does your day end?
1: Ooh, the real answer, I have no clue, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I you know it's, it's funny, because like I received a few of your questions ahead of time and that was one of those that I just remember I saw You know, it was just like, what is the one thing you do uh, every day that like, what's the routine element? And like, the only answer I had for you was just like, look, the only thing I know I'm going to do every day is sleep and eat. (laughs) The rest of it is not really like, I don't really know. Like, it's always changing. You know, I get, I get calls in the middle of the day, just like, Hey, you want to go there? Or like, Hey, we got this thing that we need to do. Or like, I'm planning on heading in the studio to work on something. And my manager calls me because I have this interview with somebody from you know (laughs) that's always how it is and like I'm I'm okay with that like I love the surprises and be like oh okay like this is this person there and that wants to do something and we want to head there and like you know new plans and stuff like I'm I'm always you know embracing those things and really open to like changing plans and stuff but the one thing I know is I'm going to sleep at some point and I'm definitely making sure my dinner's great
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're funny man That's, that's a great answer so tell me uh what's what's next on the horizon
1: uh well the, there's really big projects on the way man like we're i'm working on a christmas record right now nice and uh there's uh there's some exclusivities that are going to be on this that i can't really talk about just yet uh it's going to be announced on my socials and on my website uh, pretty soon because it's it's just about to get done i'm actually going to be in la probably not to uh in a couple of weeks to shoot the video for this track. And uh, it's it's really amazing because we have I have a collaboration on this, a feature from an artist from L.A. that uh, everybody knows. So it's yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like, I'm really excited for that new project. I'm just going to I'm just going to have to hold it, which kind of sucks because I really would love to tell everybody, be like, hey, I got this song, but I can't. So I have to hold it just a couple more weeks and then I'll be able to tell everybody. And uh, like, I'm super proud with that. So it will be a lot of fun to announce.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And more tracks to come in 2021.
1: In Absolutely. Yeah. 2021 is where I want, um, well, I have this EDM song that I told you about that I want to release with my friend, my DJ from here. And I have an album that I'm working on right now. So um, it's gonna come out in 2021 as well. I'm, I'm targeting uh, my birth month in March to release those songs.
0: Nice, nice, very exciting. So tell us where we can find you online.
1: Uh, so basically every single uh, <laughs> social media you think of is at Raf Pylon. It's as easy as that. Um, Instagram, I'm on there, TikTok, I'm on there, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, my youtube channel is the same you can look for me at raf pylon and uh rafpylon.com is my website for anybody who uh, is still very old-fashioned
0: nice nice well raf it's been an honor and a privilege um i really appreciate having you on the show and, thank you
1: same here man
0: uh, yeah and to the audience once again raf pylon um i really like his song million roses um i think it has Kind of this this soul pop feel to it, um, and yeah, I really you. love the message. And now after talking to Raph about it and how he <clears throat> actually came up with the song through a dream and through the roses, he equated that back to human beings. I think I think rap has some depth, everybody. And um, <laughs> check that out. Uh, thank you. Appreciate talk. it, man. Yeah, for sure. So uh, definitely check him out. And uh, and I'll probably be you know uh, you know previewing more songs from Raph, so um, it's an honor and a privilege. And uh, thanks again And to everybody listening. Always keep up the hustle. Thank you.